welcome to Thriving as a Physician, the podcast that teaches you to thrive in your weight loss and life while juggling a packed physician schedule, because you deserve to thrive. Each week, I share sustainable, enjoyable tools that work in your busy life so that you can reach all of your goals faster with more confidence. Everything in this podcast is backed by my experience as an obesity medicine physician, years of coaching physicians on weight loss and eating, and my own personal weight loss journey. Let's get thriving. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 204 of the Thriving as a Physician podcast, formerly known as the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. If you've been listening, you know that I've swapped the name and I did that because I wanted the name of the podcast to better reflect what we actually do on this podcast. We talk about so much more than just how to lose weight, right? But we really take a full life approach and make it about not just losing weight, but living fantastic lives and loving everything you do to lose weight. That's my wish for you. And that's why I've renamed the podcast, The Thriving as a Physician Podcast, How to Lose Weight and Love Your Life. If you love the podcast, please consider sharing this episode. This is a really good episode. We're talking about dealing with burnout post-pandemic with Dr. Aaron Wiseman. Share it with somebody, with another physician who would benefit. Get the word out. Other physicians need to hear this information and know that there are skills that we can use to feel better in our lives, especially right now with all the extra stresses we have going on living and working in a post-pandemic life. So I would love it if you would share it. I would love it if you would go and leave a review wherever you're listening. But even if you don't do either of those, make sure you hit that follow button so you get all of the new episodes downloaded as soon as they're released. All right. Like I said, today we are doing an interview with Dr. Erin Wiseman, who is a physician life coach. She is the host of both the Dr. Me First podcast and the Burnt Out to Badass podcast. And she loves talking about physician burnout. And she's got some great approaches that we talk about in this interview. So let's just get going right into the interview. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Erin. I'm super excited to have you back. Absolutely. Thanks for having me here today. So for people who haven't met you before, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Absolutely. I am Dr. Freaking Erin Wiseman, queen of burnout and sass, mother of dragons, family medicine, addiction medicine, physician extraordinaire, farmer's wife, soon to have my first tattoo. So that's oh, all exciting. That's exciting. Let's talk about the tattoo. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post pictures once I get it done. Today, we are talking about burnout, specifically post-pandemic burnout. And when we were talking about this episode, I was saying how like this is just something it keeps coming up in coaching calls. You hear about it on the news. You hear about it talking to your colleagues. You probably are experiencing some element of it that like the landscape of medicine feels like it's changed. And it feels a bit harder to work in this post-pandemic world. 
So let's or talk easier, about that. Depending on what you have done with COVID. So what I saw initially is we were all holding our breasts back in 2020 and like, okay, how is all this shit going to settle? And then I thought as the well-established burnout coach that I would be super busy and I wasn't. And it was super interesting to sit back and see that because I saw the posts on the internet. I got contacted through email, the great resignation. They were talking about it. And yet it was very quiet on the physician front. I mean, there were a few people who I was already working with or, you know, hopefully people were listening to the podcast and getting courage, bravery, clarity and compassion from that. But it was just really, really interesting how a majority of physicians approach that, which is like, I'll just hold my breath a little bit longer. And then (laughs) as we have continued and continued and continued, there will be no post-COVID world. It is here to stay. And it is what it is. And though the signs may still be out with healthcare heroes work here, the heroes are fucking tired. I mean, they are tired. And I think there's so many people looking around and being like, How long can I keep holding my breath? And what I remind people is like, you don't have to hold your breath. This is your decision for what you're putting up with. So like, let's talk about it. And so for so many people now, it's been interesting. I have had more people now starting to come out of the woods because realizing like, hey, this is what it is. And this is probably what it's going to be. Deciding that like, no longer is the system going to control me. I can actually control myself and I can control my immediate environment and how I interact in the system. I'm finding more people are empowered to explore. And I think that is a really, really great thing. Yeah, I think the one thing the pandemic taught us was a lot of things are possible, right? Like that those weeks where it all hit, we went from doing things one way and being very fixed in how it had to be done to living life and practicing medicine totally differently. And I think that opened us up to, you know, maybe there's other alternatives that we can look at that we haven't thought about. Well, I started doing telemedicine in 2017 and I was told I was crazy. I told that it was a liability. I was opening myself up to malpractice. And then in 2020, it became status quo. I wanted to look around and be like, all you other suckers who said like you couldn't do primary care through Zoom, you were wrong. You were absolutely fucking wrong. And so, yes, I think COVID did blow some people's minds in the way that we could deliver care and the way that we could live, that we could close our computer at 430 and be done. I've been told so many times like, well, that's nice for you, but that's not possible for me. And I just want to call bullshit is absolute bullshit. You are keeping on the golden handcuffs and looking how pretty and shiny they are, but it's still bondage. And so I think it's really important to to use COVID as that springboard to say like, what is possible? I know so many docs that I have helped transition who are doing locums and they love it. They love going and working a week or two and then coming home and having a month off. Or finding positions that are a little bit different than what they used to do. Not evidently cutting down work, which a lot of people have done as well. But just finding ways to do work differently that 
maybe just look, look like small pivots and adjustments to their employers, but have made huge shifts within their own life. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think post-pandemic burnout has been the catalyst for is one, to really put the squeeze on people who were already crispy with burnout. Like they are total ash now. And two, to now show like what is possible. And three, if you were to get around being jealous, mentful, pissed at your colleagues who have left, I would challenge you to look in the mirror and say, let's lean into that. Let's lean into those negative emotions because this is obviously not fulfilling for you. This is not satisfying for you. And it's time to figure out what that is. I think a big thing too is like in medicine, it's such a culture of this. It's always done the way it's been done, right? Like we get trained in the way that our preceptors who've been in practice for longer have always done it. And then we join practices that are already established with other physicians and things get done. And I think one thing that's been really helpful for myself is thinking creatively about our practice. Often as physicians, I think we come up against things where we're like, I don't like this. This is stressing me out. It doesn't feel good. And we assume our only choice is to just keep doing it or to just totally leave. Like you and I were just talking about eating on on your, your podcast and we're talking about the black and white thinking, but it's the same. Like either it has to look this way or I stop doing this. One thing that I found really helpful is when I come up and I notice things that are really bothering me about my practice of medicine, I challenge myself to be like, how else could we approach this? And I talk to my practice partners too and say, okay, and for example, summers, two summers ago, maybe three summers ago now, we always just took two weeks off in the summer so everybody could have two weeks. But then what ended up happening is most of your week off, you were kind of coming down from super busyness. And then as soon as you went back to work, you were super busy because we were short staffed and would end up feeling like I didn't actually have a summer, like summer was some of the most stressful times. And so in our practice, we sat down and I said, look, I want to take more time off next summer. We've always assumed we couldn't because it would mean we'd have fewer people in the office. Let's problem solve and be really creative about how we could make that work. So starting with the goal of like, this is how I would like my work to look like, and then get creative of how would I go about doing that has been really powerful for me and has made it so that I'm still here, still enjoying my practice, even though there's all those extra stresses of, you know, resources are limited, the systems tax, the hospital is like packed to the rafters, all of that stuff that we're dealing with. I'm still here and I still like it. And I think... One thing that you said is just the assuming. Because you know when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. And so it's like when we say things like, yeah, I should, we should. It's always been like this. This is how things work here. Those are automatic red flags that I like to pick at and be like, really? Really? It's always been done the exact same way? I don't think it is. And I hope that people can pick up on that as well as if you're shooting all over yourself. Like, I should work through the summer and not take a month off or I should be available for my patients more. I think you really have to step back and be like, really? Really? And that's where I think coaching comes in really, really helpful, especially having a sassy coach like you and I to pick up on those points to say, I'm feeling some assumptions here. 
what mm-hmm. what if we flip this and play devil's advocate instead say like and so one exercise i make people do is like i'm like okay you're gonna be sassy aaron and i'm gonna be you and i just start throwing all their assumptions out and they have to then essentially coach themselves out of it and play devil's advocate and most of the time when you can get out of your own head like that then you can be like oh yeah i guess i am like making it worse than it has to be, or I guess I am putting myself in a box. And I think one thing too is everybody's saying like, oh, how busy we are. Oh, we're so busy. How busy it is. Even that I feel like is an assumption because you only are as busy as you allow yourself to be. And so really good boundaries. First, you have to know what your boundaries are. And then you have to let other people know what those boundaries are. And then you have to reinforce those boundaries. I think it's pivotal right now because yeah, you could put 30 people on your schedule every single day and slam and be exhausted and have shit ton of notes to do and never see your children. I refuse to do that. Perfectly honest, but still my people are taken care of. And how do we do that? By being creative. We've now instituted a nurse only schedule. So for folks that like a phone call is not quite enough and somebody needs to lay eyes on them, guess what? It doesn't have to be my eyes all the time. I have a wonderful RN with decades of experience. Shit, there's sometimes she can identify things so much better than I can. Let her work to the full level of her license. Why would I stick her behind a phone? all the time. Let her come in, evaluate people, lay eyes on them, make recommendations, order a UA, do that kind of stuff. And that's what she's doing today. As I'm here recording a podcast, she's doing nurse only visits and hello, you get to bill for that. It's a 99211 here in the US. So I think getting creative like that, I think it's reminding yourself with your notes, what is the true purpose of a note? For me, it's to remind myself the next time I see the patient what I was thinking during this visit and to to get paid. That's the only mm-hmm. thing. I'm not ma- writing the great American novel. I'm not showing other doctors how smart I am because I think that's what we get into a lot of times. Like we think we need to buff up our notes. I am simply documenting that visit And like I said, first of all, to remind myself what I'm going to do next time, or if one of my partners sees the patient that they know like what the treatment plan is going to be. And two, that it's good enough so that we get paid. That's it. We don't need to spend any more brain space on it than that. And so if you're getting stuck doing hours and hours and hours of note, I would question not the like, how do you make another dot phrase? And how do you like, da, 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 da. Yes, scribes do help. And I can go whole into that. But like, what is underneath of that? What is at the root? Are you trying to prove something to the invisible someone who's judging how smart you are? Or what is it? Do you have divided attention and you're just not able to sit down and get it done? Are you seeing too many people? I mean, hello, that's part of it too. And so another way that we've gotten creative as well is doing televisits. Like not everybody needs to come into the office. And I think we learned that during COVID, but yet patients can get a really big value out of it. Do they need their weight every single visit? Do they need blood every single visit? No, they don't need those things. I mean, maybe a few select folks who are fragile, but for the most part, most people do not need that. Here in the U.S., we have to have one weight and one height on the chart every year. Great. We can get that done. And so, again, it's like releasing those expectations. 
releasing that hidden curriculum that was programmed into us during medical education and say like, maybe that was good at that time, but things are different now. I am different now. My patients are different now. And allowing yourself to change. Yeah, so important, all of that. And it all comes back to that, like, it doesn't have to, just because it's always been this way, it doesn't have to be this way. We can shift and change and pivot to, and what we're really talking about is being empowered to create the day that you want to create and trusting that you can figure out how to get the work done without totally sacrificing yourself at all times to do it. I think too, saying that it's not like you change something and you get it a hundred percent right the first time. Like for instance, there, me and my nurse practitioner, we were working on the same days and we realized that wasn't working. And so then we like shifted and she did some different days. And then I'm like, well, this is not working either. So we shifted and pivoted again. It's like allowing yourself to try. Hey, we're trying Mm -hmm. this right now. Who knows what's going to work? Let's do a little bit experimental data on ourselves. See how our patients like it. See how we like it. And if it doesn't work, fine. Worst case scenario, we go back to how it was before. Best case scenario is we keep it and everybody feels a lot better things. I want to play that too, because I think sometimes in hindsight, we can see like the perfect path. But really, it's a lot of like trying pivoting, trying something else, pivoting. And I say that because so many times I get people who come to me and you even mentioned it to say like, how do you know when it's time to leave? And one of my first questions that I ask them is like, what's your biggest struggle? You know, and, and really helping to identify like, is this something within the system, within your office, within your employees, within your staff? It's something like, external or is this something how you're feeling and then really working through that because I'm not the quick coach I'm not the stay coach I'm the burnout coach and what I really want to do is move you through that I want to normalize in today's day and age it's not if you get burned out it's when you get burned out and try to keep you have from multiple episodes of burnout so yes you can leave but no matter where you go you take yourself And so reminding yourself of that as well, of like, if you're just job hopping, maybe it's time to look and see like, okay, what is it that I really want? Because most of the time I find doctors who have hopped, 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 they haven't really done the deep work of answering the question of like, what do I want? What do I want for my career? How do I want to feel when I go to work? How do I want to feel at the end of the day when I conclude my work? And if you haven't figured that portion out, it doesn't matter how many jobs you apply to, how many hospitals you work at, you are never going to answer that question because no one else can answer it for you. It is not your job's responsibility to make you happy. That's so important. And I think that like asking, what is it that I really want? We as physicians, I don't think ask ourselves that very often. Like we assume we don't actually get much say in what we want. And so it can actually feel difficult. Like when I'm working with physicians and we're like, okay, what do you want? How do you want this to look? What do you want your free time to look like? We lose touch of all of that. And I bring that up because if you're listening and you're like, I don't know what I want, it's okay. But just keep asking yourself the question, give yourself the opportunity to contemplate it. Because the facts that we- Some compassion, because that is how you succeeded before, by being a human lump of Play-Doh. 
you had to mold yourself to fit into the general surgery rotation, but you knew it was going to end. And then you'd have to change yourself to peds rotation. And then you were on to critical care. And then you went into residency where you're going to be tested and evaluated even more. So you had to like show up in clinic and be your best clinic self, but then you'd also be on ortho rotation and you'd have to like pretend to like ortho, even though you're your family medicine resident, (laughs) you know? So we've had to be this like Play-Doh lump and like this stating what you want is starting to like solidify and crystallize you. And that's scary. That's like, oh shit. But if I like state what I want, then I can't metamorphosize again in case other people don't like it. So it's really, really a difficult process. It's just like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. There's a lot of work. You sometimes have to like break down to that primordial ooze inside of your cocoon so that you can be built back up again. And so for people who don't know what want, I ask the reverse and it's like, what do you not want? What will you no longer tolerate? And I guarantee you can come up with that list to start with. And so start there with the don't wants and the won't tolerate anymore and never agains so that then you can be like, okay, now that we've got that out of the way, this opens up so much more space because once you identify the what, there's about a million reasons to figure out the how, how you're going to achieve that. And so I think it's just so important for folks, one, to give themselves the permission to say like, this isn't working. and I will figure this out. I don't know what it is today, but that doesn't make it wrong for how I'm feeling. And I think when I was listening to you talk about that, I was thinking that discomfort with acknowledging what we want and making us be true to ourselves and worrying what other people might think, it comes down to an element of people pleasing, right? Like wanting to make sure that we keep people happy in our lives. And a lot of things that lead to burnout and boundary issues, like you mentioned at the beginning, comes from this place of we need to keep everybody happy. And if I set a boundary or if I change what I'm doing or if I say I want to do things differently, other people might not be happy. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I'm going to go even different and call it trauma bonding. Through COVID and even before then, we saw our colleagues and our staff like band of brothers. I don't know about you, but I've talked about being in medicine as if being in war. And those bonds that you form, yes, they are close, but that common element is because of, you know, I can think of many circumstances in the resident room where we informally debriefed and really what we were doing was processing trauma with each other. And so I think that's what's happening through COVID and and through a lot of life circumstances is that we bond with other folks over those traumas. And that's why it feels so hard and discomfortable when we're like, and I can't do it anymore. Cause it's almost like those monkeys who like tried to get a banana and got shocked and they got shocked and they got shocked. And then a new monkey comes in. And then in the study, that monkey went for the banana. It wasn't electrocuted anymore, but all the other monkeys pulled it down because it's like, no, don't go, don't get shocked. I think that's what we experience as physicians is like, Don't leave us because it sucks so fucking bad here. Like I need you to help me hold my own trauma. And so I think we have to stop 
holding it. I think we have to start forming more formal ways to process it. We have to acknowledge our humanness and we have to be okay with it because in the business world, it's an average seven to eight times someone will change jobs in their career. But as a physician, if you consider even leaving once, it's almost like you're doing so something so terribly wrong. How could you? And so I think it goes beyond just people pleasing. I really think it's a traumatic response. I have no data on it yet. This is just all from my experience and the experience of working with my fellow colleagues and coaching. But I think I'm on to something is why that it makes it so difficult. And if we don't, so everyone who comes and coaches with me now is encouraged, not encouraged, they are required to meet with a therapist and a psychiatrist because I am so adamant about this, that we are all walking around with wounds under our white coats that have been, they need a wound back. They've been seeping and nasty for way too long that if we truly want to be our full selves, we need that team approach to help us. And I think by doing that with my own work and helping my own clients do that as well, I can see them coming into their fullest selves because then boundaries are safe. They're no longer like, no, I've got to like keep an opening because I might need these people in a moment of trauma or desperation. And so having someone to process through in a productive way rather than a bitch session in the doctor's lounge, so important. Hell, considering medications that we give to our own patients for ourselves so that we can sleep at night, so that we aren't having recurrent dreams. I mean, for the longest times, I was still dreaming of patients from medical school. That, my friend, is not healthy. And it is it is recurrent trauma and PTSD that's coming up. So I think we have to not only extend that to our patients as we do trauma-informed care, we have to give that to ourselves. And part of that is, like we talked on my podcast, self-compassion. Learning to look at ourselves and say, God, this was hard. And you know what? Everybody experienced like this. And in this moment, what I need blank, fill in the blank, and then giving it to ourselves. Yesterday, and I did a half day because I had to go do a presentation with local criminal justice in another county. And I came back and my nurse said, Dr. Wiseman, we have some bad results. And it was actually my nurse practitioner's patient, but she was out. And I had to tell a young person that their biopsy was positive for cancer. And old Erin would have done that, would have finished her notes, would have cleaned up the office and went home. But this Erin, where I'm at now, I stopped. I made myself a cup of tea. I hugged my nurse. I went out for a walk. And then I came back, took a breath, and started in on my work. Because in that moment, that's what I needed to do. Because that was a emotionally charged conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I really have taken this approach. And I feel really strongly about it is if you want to transition well, If you want to work through your burnout, it's not just changing your mindset. It's really getting into the stuff that we don't want to talk about as doctors. That's so good. And it's so deep and true, right? Like we get trained to see the hard stuff, deal with the hard stuff, move on. Do not cry in front of patients. I don't know. Were you ever told that? I was. Oh, all the time. And then I remember the first times I had to deliver fetal demise deliveries and like there's no way that you can 
like that's the some of the worst stuff I've ever done in medicine are oh those gosh. it just brings tingles in my body and I want to puke right now because I I had yeah. a 35 weeker that I had to deliver and that yeah. not having that cry after that baby came out still. yeah those rooms are so silent and and apologies to like anybody who's been through that I you have my most compassion but yeah I remember like there's no way you can't cry and just feeling like they said I shouldn't cry. How can I, how can I not? Like, it doesn't make sense because we're human. And I think that leads to our burnout too, because we are supposed to be super robot demigods and just go about the work and do the work. Mm -hmm. But friends, that's not, that's not what we are. That's, we have to embrace the human side. We have to know that like our work impacts us. It imprints on us for good or for bad or for neutral. It does. So why do why continue to keep ignoring it? Why continue to just put your head down and grit through and hold your breath? I call bullshit. And I say, like, let's do it. Let's do it differently. And let's do it in a more healthy way. And I know we don't give guarantees in coaching, but I guarantee that on the other side, you will be a more full and enriched person because at the bottom of my burnout, I had no emotions. I was numb except for anger. I had a shit ton of anger and that was the only one that would come out. I was angry at patients. I was angry at my staff. I was angry at my husband. I was angry at my little baby boys. I was angry at myself, most importantly. And when that is the only emotion, it eats you alive. Because I remember thinking in moments like the kids would be playing in the bathtub and I couldn't even smile because they didn't feel anything. And so I'd encourage anybody, if that feels like you and it feels like your experience, this is not where you're staying, friend. You can come back from this. You can heal your burnout. And it's not just a jump and job. There's a lot Mm -hmm. more under the surface to deal with. Yeah. And I think just to kind of touch on something you mentioned earlier, if you're at that place where everything just feels so like numb and horrible too, I encourage you as a physician to seek medical care and be assessed. Is this burnout or is this depression? I don't think our insight is great when we're in this place, in that place. And as we all know, mental health disorders in physicians, suicide in physicians is a really significant issue. And so definitely like work on the burnout, get coaching on the burnout, but also take medical care of yourself in the way that you would care for your patients. So I did some studies on myself. About 40% of my coaching clients come to me that are suicidal. Hence Mm -hmm. why I use this team-based approach of working with a psychiatrist and a therapist and then me as your kick-ass coach, because I want to normalize that. I want to be like, you are such a brilliant and awesome person. How could one person take care of you? And I also want to normalize that suicidal ideation is rampant among the physician community, but there's so much shame, there's so much guilt, and there's so much secrecy that we don't talk about it. And so if that is you and you're scared to death, like we're talking about here, reach out. I am more than happy to talk with anyone and get you connected with safe mental health services. We can put some phone numbers and websites in the show notes, the same ones that I would share with you if we were on a phone call, because I feel like a lot of times physicians don't feel like it is safe for them to talk Mm. about that. Because what happens? People freak out. They send you to the emergency room. Somehow the state license board figures out it. And then boom, where are you now? You can't work. 
your license is in danger and you're freaking scared to death and you're depressed beyond all means. And, and that's the other thing too. I don't think you can easily tease out burnout and depression. They go hand in hand, throw anxiety, the little sister in there as well. And so it's not as easy as just being like, oh, I'm depressed. I need an antidepressant or I'm burned out and I need a life coach. It's like a whole messy dumpster fire that's happening. Mm-hmm. And even if we don't name it, we can at least start the processing on a multifaceted approach to get you feeling better because there is hope. Your life, your calling, your pulse matters. matters. And I want to keep that going. And I know that you do too. And so I just, again, I want to normalize that if you are feeling this bad or have felt this bad in the past, you are absolutely not alone. Absolutely. Yeah. I think such important message for all physicians to hear because it's, it, it's such a unique landscape that we practice in where seeking help we have to consider if it will impact our ability to work. But you can't work if you're really depressed. You can't work if you do attempt suicide. And you definitely can't be you in those situations. And so seek help, figure out Empowering the other stuff. is not the option because no. you're not helping anyone at that point. You're just a body showing up and taking up space. Like, We know that burnout, you have decreased patient outcomes, decreased satisfaction, both for you and for your patient. So like, and this is the other thing that I normalize a lot of times with my clients is that like taking FMLA for burnout is absolutely reasonable. That is okay. Because so many times people come to me and like they ask, well, what's the first step I do? And the first thing I everyone to do besides doing the list of what you want and what you don't want is getting on the schedule when you're going to take a sabbatical break. When are you going to take some rest? Because I bet you have it in several, several years. And if you have, it's only been like seven days or 10 days. I want you to take as much as absolutely possible. So I run people through a number of different exercises to look at their budget, to look at their employment contract, to consider FMLA, short-term leave. Some people, they end up finding a different job and taking a big gap between the next start time. Here in the U.S., so many people are worried about the gap in the CV, and I have so many tips and tricks of how to get around that. You can rest, and you should, because making decisions from a totally stressed out, burnt out, depressed place are not going to be good decisions. And yeah. so one of the best things to do is to take that rest, take that sabbatical, take that leave, call it whatever you want, so that you can clear your brain, you can reevaluate life, you can get back in touch with yourself. You can breathe again. You can sleep again. And then from there, the map gets a whole lot clearer. Yeah. One topic we haven't touched on yet is challenging patients. So you and I were talking about this before we started recording. And I think it ties in when you're like coming at work from a burnout perspective, but also there's a lot of talk of this post-pandemic of like patients being demanding, patients being unhappy, and it being harder to work in this environment. What are your thoughts or views on that? Setting boundaries. My patients all know that I am in the office Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I am available. My nurse continues to remind people, like today on Tuesday, 
Dr. Weissman's not here today, but she'll address it tomorrow when she's in the office. They call on Friday. Dr. Weissman's not here today. She'll address it on Monday when she's back in the office. Can you send it to the nurse practitioner? Nope. This is not, I clearly have stated what should be addressed in an urgent manner and what can wait till Monday. In a society that we are on demand, we are on demand streaming, we are on demand payment through our our saved debit cards on our phones, we are on demand Amazon Prime. It still takes two to three days to get my Amazon Prime, but in some cities, you know, you can get it the like same day or within a couple hours. We have to continue to push back on people and to remind them We are humans too. We are capable of this much and no more. Because, and I will go back to the medical system. They have pushed and pushed and squeezed and squeezed and gotten so much free work out of us that it's our responsibility to take that back. No, I will not do notes outside of work hours. No, I will not call patients outside of work hours. Yes, I will talk to patients when I'm on call, but no other time. We just have to be really clear with our boundaries. And I'm a good farm girl. And so when I envision boundaries, I envision like this beautiful farm fence. And it's about keeping what I don't want out, but it's also about keeping my alpacas in. I just got three alpacas three weeks ago. (laughs) And so keeping the good stuff in as well. Because if you don't have boundaries, if you don't have that clear delineation on like what is mine and what is not mine, then it's going to get messy. It's going to get convoluted and it's not going to feel good. Caveat, it also doesn't feel good to hold boundaries, but that doesn't make it wrong either. Let me say it again. It doesn't feel good to hold your boundaries, but that doesn't make it wrong either. Which is worse, the discomfort of telling someone no or the discomfort of overcommitting and then not doing the things that are you most value in your life. Seeing your kid's soccer game, being home for dinner at night, exercising in a way that you love, having time to cook the food that you love. And I just always go back to a colleague. He told me one time, Aaron, there's always one more patient. Go home. And I still hold to that because it is absolutely true. And I think it's reminding ourselves that yeah, we're going to disappoint people. Patients are going to be upset with me. But at the end of the day, is this a life-threatening issue that needs to be taken care of now? Or is this just someone's expectation that I cannot meet? Because like, I think the doctors of old, they just did it. I had one doc that I mentored with. Patients would call him on his home phone when we all had landlines. They would show up at his house. They, you know, He didn't have any boundaries and he loved it. But for me and for mine, that does not work. For my mental sanity, that does not work. I need to unplug and be Aaron sometimes. And then so that I can be fully plugged in and be Dr. Wiseman on those other days. And my family's learned too. Like the boundary with them is don't call me during clinic time unless somebody is bleeding or going to the ER. Like I will handle it when I get home. So also having really clear boundaries with with that as well, I think is really important. Yeah. Good tips. All right. Share where people can find you. Oh, friend, if you just Google my name, you'll come up with a lot of fun stuff. But since you're listening to Siobhan's podcast, you can listen to mine. So I have two. My tried and true thoroughbred is Dr. Me First. It's where I have really great conversations with other female physicians and important leaders in this space. We talk about all things, but somehow always burnout comes back into the equation. I don't know. (laughs) 
And then my other podcast is called Burnt Out to Badass. This is where I am normalizing conversations around burnout, around depression in professionals, and really looking at the dark night of the soul and then how people move through that. Sometimes it's with coaching. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's because of that big eureka moment, and sometimes it's not. So if you want to hear more stories from a lot of different professionals, you can hop over there and take a listen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me and coming and hanging out again with me on my podcast. Well, thank you so much for asking me. I really appreciate it. And always fun to hang out with my international friends. All right. So much good stuff in there. And I want to tell you, if you are feeling burnt out, you're not alone. I think this is some of the most challenging times we've ever lived as physicians, navigating a system that's really under strain right now as well as just living lives as humans post-pandemic and recovering from a pandemic with all the other stresses going on. You are not alone if you are feeling burnt out. I encourage you to seek help and work on asking yourself, what do you need? This came up in a coaching call that I had after we had recorded this, talking about burnout with physicians and just coming back to what do you need? And if you don't know that answer, because sometimes when we're so burnt out, we don't even know what we need. To feel better because it just feels like everything's not going to work. Keep asking yourself the question. But as I said, I do encourage you to seek help. Find somebody who can help you navigate the burnout. As we mentioned in this podcast episode, if you're concerned at all that there may be elements of depression, check in with your doctor. Don't try to manage that yourself. Go and get help, objective help from a physician on that. All right, any questions or comments about the podcast, please send me an email to info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. I would love to hear from you and have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for listening. Listening.